So the reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 42. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Thanks, Eddie, for uh, reading for us. Let me add my welcome to those of you here in the building and uh, to those who are tuning in from home. Keep the Bible open in front of you uh, if you've got one uh, there at home as we come to look at these words. And let me lead us in a prayer uh, as as we come to hear what God says. Our Heavenly Father, you are not slow to speak to us. Lord God, you are not reluctant Uh, to to speak to us, but we're often uh, slow to listen, and even when we do listen, uh, sometimes we do it in a half-hearted way. We need your help. Please, would you, this morning, by your Spirit, as we consider these words of the Lord Jesus, to hear, trust, and obey what He says, we ask it in His precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're uh, we're back into uh, the the Sermon on the Mount. It's good to keep reminding ourselves where we are. It's a a long sermon. We're going through it in small parts. Um, But good to to keep orientating ourselves. You remember Jesus Jesus has been announcing God's kingdom. And he says, he says, look, when, when it fully comes... What a place it will be. What a day it will be um, when it comes. Beginning of chapter 5, as he starts the sermon, he kind of gives us a feel of what it's going to be like, and he says there will be satisfying comfort in God's kingdom. Uh, There will be an inheritance to share. There will be genuine right living that will be consistent from this point on. There will be mercy for the things that you've done wrong. And it will be on that day when it fully comes, it will be the end to kind of distance and doubt when it comes to God because we'll see him. And you'll see him as he is, no more doubt, no more distance from him. It's the good life. I guess what the Bible would call eternal life uh, on that day. And the way in, Jesus has been saying, the way in, it's not smooth talk or slick presentation. No, you don't 
earn your way into this with your intellect or your hard work. You know, whether you've got a PhD or, or you're someone who struggles with ADHD, you know, the, the way in it is the same. The offer is the same, Jesus says. It's a gift for the poor in spirit. Uh, those, those who kind of know and recognize, they have got nothing spiritually, nothing that they can offer to God, and so they come to Him humbly, asking for His help and find that He is gracious. But then Jesus has been saying, look, those who do come that way, those who come to God that way, uh, they find that they do start to change even now. It's like the life of that future day. It begins to break into life today. Knowing God's comfort, they begin to comfort others. Knowing God's mercy, they're, they're merciful to others. And Jesus says, look, this group of people, this church that he's gathering, they become, do you remember the words he used, chapter 5, verse 14, if you've got it there in front of you, he says they become the light of the world. Not that they're saying, look at us, we're amazing, but because of the way Jesus begins to change them, it's as if their words and their lives, they kind of cast a light pointing towards him and say, look, look at him. Look at the Lord Jesus. Look what he offers. Look at the difference he begins to make even now. Look at the change he can bring. And, you know, Jesus changes them. And we're all about roadmaps at the moment. Steve's already uh, mentioned it, aren't we? We're all about roadmaps, patterns of living as we, we kind of head towards what people describe as what's going to be the new normal. And Jesus in this sermon is saying, look, if you, if you really are someone, if you are someone who's heading towards being on the inside, on, on God's future day, that great day, then a, a new normal should begin to appear even now. And he's going to go through that. That's what he's doing in this sermon now. He's going to go through it because there are, there are some religious leaders of the day who've been distorting the Old Testament uh, changing uh, the way things have been said there. You've noticed the way, perhaps, in the sermon, the way Jesus keeps saying, you've heard that it was said, but, but I say to you. And you get his drift. Look, some of the things you've heard about God's Word, they, they've been distorted. You've heard wrong applications, and so I've come. God Himself, in the person of Jesus, ha has come to tell you now, what you really need to know, and in this bit, look, that we're going through, he's, he's picking out, if you like, some, some big life examples to teach some big life virtues. Not just a list of things for, for people who know God to, to do, like they, they've just got to tick them off, and I, I've done that, but it, it's more about, well, the reveal heart attitudes that people trusting God display. And he's doing it in part because he wants you and I to check. He wants us to check that we really are on the right roads. We are heading this way. We are humbly trusting him because he said, look, there are ways of living, even for religious people, that begin to look. Did you have a look back to verse 22? They begin to look as if you're in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus says it is serious. You want to check the road signs. You want to make sure you're going the right way. At last couple of weeks, we've thought with Michael about a couple of different things. We've thought about, look, how you handle when someone makes you angry. What's your temper like? 
And then last week we thought about, again, if you remember, how you respond to sexual temptations. This morning we're going to look at two other virtues, and, and they kind of revolve around these ideas of, of honesty and, and personal injury. And Jesus says, as we look at these two little sections, look, Christians, we're, we're to be disciplined truth-tellers. And we're to respond, we're to display grace, not revenge in life. Here's, here's the first of those. We're, we're to be disciplined truth-tellers. Disciplined truth Verses 33 to 37. Uh, Jesus says, says this, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Now, it's a strange thing, that, as you, as you think about it, because if you know the Old Testament, the Old Testament says there really were times to make oaths. Is Jesus just contradicting that? Well, no, I, I think the issue is around uh, these words that he quotes for us uh, about fulfill to the Lord the vows you've made or, or fulfill the vows you've made to the Lord. It, it seems that in, in Jesus' day, there was, there was developing an idea there was kind of different levels of oaths. There was some that you really had to keep, but there was others. There was others that kind of gave you a little bit of wiggle room. You could kind of navigate your way around them. Now, you hear that and you stop and think for a moment about oaths and their purpose. What is the purpose of an oath? Friends of mine uh, who've got children when they were younger, when they, when they wanted to check if somebody was really telling the truth, the conversations would go like this. Did, it might be like this. Did you... Did you break your brother's Lego set? No, Daddy, I didn't, I didn't break it. Are you telling the truth? Yes, Daddy, I'm telling the truth. I didn't break it. Do you promise? No, Daddy, I don't promise, but I didn't break it. And the way it worked in that family was this idea of, of the promise. You don't cross that line. Uh, the promise is the line you don't cross. It, it's a little bit like a, an oath in, in their family. That, that was the line you didn't cross. And it was, you understand what it's doing. It, it's helpful both for someone who's struggling to tell the truth. Uh, here's the line you don't cross. You've got to be honest now. And it's also helpful for someone who's struggling to believe if somebody is telling the truth. I know they won't cross that line carelessly. So if they say they promise, well, that helps me. I, I can trust them. So you understand how oaths work. Oaths can help certain battles for honesty and trust. Now, that's one of the things they do. But in Jesus' day, that's been flipped around. People were developing oaths, if you like, that gave kind of subtle wiggle room that still allowed you to sound spiritual. For, for example, one of the teachers at the time apparently said that if you swear by Jerusalem, you were not bound. But if you made an oath towards Jerusalem, you were. You see what's going on? Something that's designed to help honesty is turned into something that enables dishonesty. And, and Jesus in verse 34, I think he's saying with a, a sense of hyperbole, if you're going to do that, I'll just get rid of all oaths completely. His point, as he goes on, is, look, God owns everything. You, you, you see in verses 34 to 36, he links every kind of oath back to God. Heaven, earth, Jerusalem, even the hair on your head. 
And his point is, look, God owns everything. There is no wiggle room with the things you say. You're, you're either being honest or you're being dishonest. There's that famous Abraham Kuyper line where he says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. It all belongs to him. And so in that sense, every time, every time you or I say something, in a sense we say it in God's name. Now, we, we don't tend to make promises, do we, by Jerusalem. That's not the way we, we tend to operate. But you, do you ever make wiggle room in your promises? Ben, who's our operations manager uh, here at Christchurch, runs all the building stuff and all sorts of other things that go on. He needed some information from me uh, the other week, and I said, I'll, I'll get it to you by Monday. Uh, Monday came, and I hadn't done it. To be honest, I hadn't really thought about it. I didn't feel that bad about it either. And when he asked me in the meeting on Monday, I said, well, I'll get it to you this week. been reflecting on that in light of these words. How easy it was for my yes to become no. And it's not just, it's not just that that was bad. But verse 37, do you see who Jesus says was cheering me on at that point? Do you see who Jesus says was cheering me on? It wasn't him. A Christian. We're to be disciplined truth-tellers. Now, don't miss here. That's not to say there's no room for discernment. Uh, there, are, there are times when you, you can't tell everyone everything. Or, or it is possible as well to kind of weaponize truth-telling to repeat careless conversations in a way that's just designed to embarrass someone else. And you say, well, I'm just telling the truth. He did say that. You know, that's not what Jesus is after. But you know what he is saying? When you're referring to an incident, maybe a difficult conversation with someone else that's been hard, we're, we're, we're disciplined that we don't slant it to make them look worse than they were and ourselves to look better. Pathfinders and graftees, at failing to do a job that you told your mum that you would do, you know your defense is never, well, I didn't say I definitely do it. There's no wiggle room with words like that. Do you tell the truth? At home, at work, at school? If we're going to be the light of the world, we really will need to. And if we are people who have humbly come to Jesus, and we really will, well, that's disciplined truth-tellers. Here's the second thing. We're, we're to be people who, who display grace and not revenge. Verse 38, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And then Jesus gives four little incidents. You see them there on the page, being struck on the cheek, being sued for your tunic, being forced to, to go one mile. It's probably by a Roman soldier. They were allowed in the day to force someone to carry something for them one mile. And also someone wants to borrow from you. Now, the Old Testament law did say eye for eye. Jesus says, don't resist an evil person. Again, is he contradicting the Old Testament? Well, I don't think so. 
Uh, some have, have wondered, is, is what Jesus is addressing, the way some of the religious leaders uh, have taken rules that were kind of designed for the court and, and, and applied them to every, everyday life? So you get the principle, don't you, of an eye for an eye. It's for the courts. It's meant to be a way of saying, look, punishment, justice should be fair and punishment should be proportionate. So imagine this, Lizzie. Lizzie is one of our, our grafted leaders. Maybe you know Lizzie. Uh, you're a grafted on Friday night. But Lizzie, one of our grafted leaders, imagine she borrowed, imagine she borrowed my car and she pranged it with another car. A bit of careless driving from Lizzie. And sadly, the police get involved and she ends up having to go to court and the other driver says, lock her up for life. She scratched my car. We'll never see Lizzie again. Look, no, no, that's not the way it works, does it? That's not the way justice works. It's, it's eye for eye, it's tooth for tooth, it's car for car, it's scratch for scratch. It's proportionate. Where are people taking this law from the courts and applying it to everyday life? You offended me, therefore I get to offend you back. That's what God says I can do. Yeah, well, look, perhaps. I think Jesus probably is wanting to correct that. We're certainly not to be like that. But it must be more than that, mustn't it, when you look at verse 40? And because verse 40 is a court case, someone wants to sue you. Take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. Now, look, with that, if you lose your tunic and your, your cloak, no, no Jewish man would, would go through that. That would mean walking home in public in, in a, a loincloth. Nobody would do that. I think Jesus is using hyperbole here but, uh, to make a point. But, but see if this helps understand what he's getting at. See, why would you and I, why would you and I need a law like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Some read it and think, look, this is just an example of how the, the God of the Old Testament is really vindictive, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But it's really the other way around. The reason why God has to provide a law that limits revenge and balances justice is not because he's vindictive, it's because we are. You know that, don't you? It's someone insults you. And it's kind of like the scenario Jesus gives in verse 39. It's like a verbal slap in the face and the temptation to then go and talk about them, justifying yourself. And you begin to do what they did. You, you insult them, but, but it just goes a bit further and you add more to it. I'm always impressed. I'm always impressed by uh, people with tidy desks. You know the kind of people? They, they, they say their desks are really untidy and there's a pen on it or something like that. You know people with tidy desks, tidy files? I'm impressed and slightly annoyed by them because my desk is always a mess. I mean, you know people like that. Everything's organized. Important stuff is always highlighted. They can find anything when they need to. And in a sense, God's law in the Old Testament is a bit like that. Because our hearts, they're like that messy desk. Our hearts are a real mess with sin. And so, so God's word, his law comes in in part to highlight what's really important. And he says to us, look, you've got to keep justice balanced. You're going to be tempted towards revenge. When... When sin turns us into people who just want revenge. You remember the other week, uh, Steve was speaking about an earlier passage. 
that when Jesus said he'd come to fulfill the law, and you begin to wonder, look, how is what he's saying here, how does it fulfill the law? Well, think of it this way. When God tried to to limit our sinful desire for revenge with laws like this, we should have guessed, shouldn't we? We should have guessed one day what he'd really be after is not just the limiting of our bad behavior, but a, a deeper change than that, a change that goes all the way to the heart level. A change where, where people maybe even treated badly don't need to just be held back from revenge. Uh, justice will still matter to them because they're truth-tellers. They're disciplined truth-tellers. But, but there will also be an instinct in them to display grace even towards those who've offended them. See, where would a virtue like that come from? Where would people learn about something like that? Where would they get power for something like that? John Stott makes this comment in his commentary. Jesus seems to have prayed for his tormentors. Actually, while the iron spikes were being driven through his hands and his feet. Uh, Displaying grace. And don't misunderstand, Jesus... It is not saying, look, Christians should be doormats or or evil doesn't matter. It really does. But we should know from the cross, look, justice is satisfied and grace is offered. And he's saying, look, his people, the change he will bring, they will begin to display grace to others when insulted, when mistreated, when wrongly treated in court. If you do that, does that mean... Does that mean ignoring wrongs? No, I don't think so. Now, let me give you an extreme example. You, you may be aware of this story from the news a couple of years ago. Larry Nasser was a doctor for the U.S. gymnastic team who came to light, had abused children and young women who were in his care over the years. Did Jesus' words about grace mean just ignore that, forget it, say it doesn't matter? No, God forbid, God forbid that grace should mean we stop calling evil, evil. That would be a lie. God forbid that we don't call for justice when women are attacked as if God is not furious with that. No, the role of of government is to protect the vulnerable. There is no excusing when a man harms a child or a woman But I think even here, grace can still be displayed. Rachel Den Hollander, she's she's an adult now and a Christian. She was one of the girls that Larry Nasser attacked. And in her victim statement in the court, she asked the judge to deliver the full appropriate punishment. And she asked this question, how much is a little girl worth? But then she also turned to Larry Nasser and spoke not just of the court's justice, but of the justice and terror of God that he would one day face. And then she said this, if you ever reach the point when you really face the truth of what you have done, the guilt will be crushing But that is what makes the gospel so sweet. 
For it extends grace and mercy and hope where none should be found. And she urged him to repent. Rachel Den Hollander, uh, she was a disciplined truth teller and yet displayed grace, I would say, and not revenge at that moment. Now, what could change someone like that? Well, knowing Jesus, who always told the truth and will bring God's justice, but still offers grace to those who would come with humble honesty. And people who point to Jesus like that are rightly known as the light of the world. Disciplined truth-tellers who display grace, not revenge. And I wonder this morning if a prayer to pray would be, Jesus, is there someone I've been dishonest with that I need to tell the truth to? And Jesus, is there someone I should be displaying grace towards? Amen.